Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, episode 39. We are fast approaching my age. I am Bobby Bancroft and I'm here with Andrew Geiger at Casual Hoya. You might know him better. Um, Andrew, you haven't been on for at least one episode, so the people don't know about sports and pain. Again, sports is pain, sports is pain. I've warned everyone on here since episode one of this podcast that sports is pain. Nothing has changed over the course of the season. We've had fleeting moments of joy, but once again, sports has reminded us of pain. Uh, To be honest, I haven't been on here, not so much because um, I've been avoiding you, but rather I haven't had much, much feeling. Uh, I've really been numb uh, pretty much since the DePaul game. Um, you know, for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, the losses are one thing. Yeah. Um, I think for me though, what's been really frustrating, I, I think the Xavier game is, is a perfect, perfect encapsulation, encapsulation of the season. I mean, if I told you before the season started that we'd be playing in our penultimate home game without your seven McClung, Akinjo and LeBlanc, you'd have been like, you're totally insane. And then what if I told you that we'd be playing without all those guys yet had a chance to win that game in the last minute? You know, that's that's been Georgetown's season. And I think it's, it's just so deflating that here we are with two games left. We're not going to make the NIT. Okay. So I do have an outline for today. And you've kind of touched on like five of the topics, which is good. <laughs> so that means you're prepared and you're ready. So, for those of you that are living under a rock, Georgetown lost their fourth game in a row after pretty much being on everyone's right side of the bubble. They lost to Xavier, another season sweep to the Musketeers, 66-63 yesterday. Um, Javon Blair had 18 points. And I know in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to matter. And I, I posted it yesterday. Javon Blair, like in the middle of the second half, made a very similar, I guess it's like the James Harden gather or whatever the kids are doing these days. It was called a travel, and then um, Marshall's game winner was kind of the same exact shot. I kind of think they're both travels, and I think Patrick Ewing, after the game, his sort of point was, it's the same thing. Why did one count, one didn't? And he said, you know, I'm not going to cry over spilled milk, and, you know, I get it with the way things are going. It's kind of, you know, oh, it's just another thing that didn't work out. But did you think they were both the same kind of shot? Do you think they were both a travel? Do you think they were both good? What's your take? I think you preface this at the beginning of your, your comment when you said it probably doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't I mean, matter. <laughs> we're just going to talk about the okay, game for okay, one okay, second. Uh, uh, That's like the one thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, and looking at both again, I did kind of think that Blair shuffled his feet a little bit more than like okay. right before he shot it than, than Marshall did. Wasn't just like okay. a, wasn't just like a pure step back. He kind of like dragged his foot like he tends to do. I, again, <laughs> <laughs> that isn't making or breaking Georgetown's season. That isn't making or breaking, um, you know, our, our postseason lives here. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just also deflating. I, I think, you know, the one thing, and perhaps this is in your outline as well, that we can all be proud of is, is Mosley's play this season. Oh, yeah. But then again, it's <laughs> it's disheartening that he's not going to be with us next season. So, I mean, everything. <laughs> has really just gone to shit. Things haven't been great. Um, and I know you just mentioned um, 
when you touch on a lot of things about the lineups that Georgetown was using. Oddly enough, and this is the last actual game stuff that we can talk about because this game, you know, it's just another game and a running out of the string kind of season. Believe it or not, I really felt like Jaden Robinson and George Mirasan added something. Now, obviously, the stat sheet, they're they're both plus seven. I'm not reading a lot into that because the minutes weren't high. But when, you know, you're, you know, Allen and Blair and Mosley are basically never coming out, I thought that they actually provided something in the first half and a little bit surprised that they didn't play. Again, I know it's March 2nd, and I'm talking about the fact that Jaden Robinson and George Mirasan maybe didn't play enough. But I think that's an actual... It's an actual basketball point to make, and that that's sort of my last point. I don't know if you want to expand on that or if you want to tell me I'm an idiot or you want to agree, some, something in the middle. No, I'll agree. I think to all of their credit, um, they're giving 110% on the floor, and they're doing, they're, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do, which is leave it all out there and play to their highest ability when they're on the floor. I yeah. wish I could say the same for others. I don't know what's wrong with your seven, right? I mean, there was a picture of the, the <laughs> McClung's wearing a boot, uh, whoever else is wearing a boot, and your seven Malcolm Wilson. There. Yeah, oh, yeah, Malcolm Wilson, who broke his leg all of a sudden, like that came out of the blue. Um, and your seven sitting there looking just fine and dandy. I mean, get on the fucking floor, man. Like, I, honestly, <laughs> the fan base was so angry at, at, at Jesse last season for being perceived as, you know, I guess somewhat soft. Your seven blows Jesse out of the water in that category. I mean, I, I don't know what's wrong with your seven. Maybe he's got something serious. But, and, of course, it's not like Georgetown's provided us with any information. Um, but for him not to play with Georgetown's season on the line this past week, uh, it, it's just really embarrassing for him. And so if he has any designs, designs on playing the NBA, they're gone. You know, he's destined to be a mid-level European finesse player for the rest of his career. Um, so a couple things there. So, and oddly enough, um, Jesse Govan, there's a retweet on my, on my tweet deck for the, I've got a couple columns. Hoyas is one of them, as you might guess, George Sean's the other one. Um, so he's actually right there, him and Malinowski. I think Jesse was perceived as soft because, you know, he was like a big that liked to shoot a lot of threes and he happened to be their best three point shooter last year. And yep. the defense, which did not improve after he left, of course, we'll never really know what would have happened if everyone stays and blah, blah, blah. But I think that a lot of the blame of the defensive problems went on Jesse. So I think that's kind of where the whole the whole soft thing. Um, you're seven, sure. definitely more of a finesse player than I think was advertised. And I don't watch a whole lot of NC State or ACC to kind of know what was coming in. Um, as far as your seven status, I asked the only question I asked Ewing after the game because I think that's kind of the only interesting thing is what's up with you know McClung and and your seven is there any update you 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 plan to have them at any point and of course you know he didn't really say but he did say it differently instead of saying he's choosing not to play he said when you know when he's cleared he'll play so I mean that kind of contradicts what he had said previously so I mean who knows if you know if you have Malcolm Wilson breaking his foot in practice is it possible your seven was practicing and hurt himself we have no idea. Yeah, I mean, and again, because we have no idea, all we can do is speculate. And because I don't see him wearing any sort of protective gear on his leg or whatever else might be ailing him, um, 
I don't see any reason why he can't attempt to play. Now, you're right. If Ewing is phrasing that differently, I did think it was interesting when Ewing was saying, you know, it's his choice. Right. Maybe he caught some flack for that. And now he's chosen to phrase things differently. I don't know. Um, but again, it's just frustrating because you feel like this team, if your seven were to play, this Xavier outcome is different, right? You feel like they have a chance against the Paul. Like it, the, the team is not so far dead that yeah. every game is, is just written off. They're, your seven plays to his capability, and you can win these games. And now it's almost too late. Well, it's definitely too late to get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. We agree on that. Um, after the game, Ben Standig made his Capital One Georgetown um, appearance after diligently covering all things Redskins. And I was talking to him a little bit afterwards. I tried to get him on here, but he's too busy. So we'll get him next time. But um, one of the things I was saying he's is... He's very, he's very busy. Yes, very, very busy. But he's still he's still hanging in there on Georgetown Twitter updates. So he's, he hasn't completely fallen away. But... That being said, we had a conversation in the hallway after Ewing's press conference, and um, I said, obviously, you would, you know, a healthy McClung helps this team. Like, there's no doubt about it, right? Like, you have a healthy McClung, no one, you know, you have another person to create, to get people open, all that kind of stuff, and he can score. But if you literally just add your seven, I think that they become interesting in the Big East tournament. You can win a game, and then maybe you give Seton Hall a half a game. And then if you got 20 minutes to try and pull an upset, right? Like with your seven, I do think that that's still possible. Maybe I'm just wearing the Georgetown glasses and I don't think so. Um, I think that he provides enough and there's just, there's something else to game plan. And if you can pass out of the post and all those things. So yes, it is, it is frustrating that he's not playing. I would think without knowing anything, I was pretty sure McClung was done for the season. I think you'll see your seven suit, suit up in the uh, biggest tournament. It's my that's my not knowing anything just gut feeling i would hope so if only for him because right now he's kind of going out as far as his Georgetown career goes on like the opposite trajectory of of mosley you know i mean mosley this whole heart of a lion thing um yeah we, we can talk about this this you know apparently he's meeting this girl who has it's on the outline which which is great sorry um it's okay. It's okay. but you know, what's your seven? Ten man? What was the opposite of the heart of the lion? It's not, yeah, it's <laughs> not, definitely. Not, yeah. I mean, there's so many things at the end of the year we can rank, like what was more surprising, the fact that, you know, of the guys that transferred in, basically, we assume for one year, I don't think many people thought in the beginning of the year that your seven was going to stick around for both of his years of eligibility. And I think the way that the season's ending, it's hard to imagine him coming back. But if you had said, hey, who's going to leave the more – you know, revered one, one and done for Georgetown, Terrell Allen or Omir York seven. Like how many people would have said Terrell Allen, right? But he's definitely going to go out as, man, that kid gave it everything he could for his, you know, his last year. And, you know, it's looking like it might not be enough, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, if, if I had the choice to, you know, bounce picket for next year and get one of those two back, I would. That's not on my outline, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so uh, okay so we know where they are so, yeah they're looking like I, I know that you mentioned it and i know that i think in my preview i wrote it incorrectly and i know i think i, I posted to you so it used to be that you had to be 500 to make the nit that's not a rule anymore but 
an under 500 team has not gotten in, in at large bid. So, you know, when you look at their 15 and 14, they probably do have to win another game, assuming that, you know, they have enough people to compete in the NIT. Um, that's the Xavier game was looking like the game where you're like, look, they got to just suck it up and just beat. And they all, they almost did, but it's looking like, like no postseason. I think so. I mean, you're right. If they win Xavier, then we're in the NIT. I mean, even if they lose. Yeah. The next they get to, they, they get to 16 and 13. They could, they, they could uh, lose out and be 16 and 16 with the biggest um, tournament game in there. Right. And so now, it's it's basically impossible. We're, we're not beating Creighton, especially after they just got smashed at St. John's. Uh, not going to be Villanova at home unless Villanova lays o- you know rolls over, which is possible. Um, still got to go out and beat St. John's in the biggest tournament, and then then where are we? I mean, we still- well, if if you lose your next two games, you end up fifteen and sixteen. Which means to get to five hundred, you have to go to the Big East tournament and go two and one. Which means you got to get to the semis. Yeah, not happening. Not unless you know your seven plays or right. Even if you right. play, it's just, it's just not happening. And so maybe maybe we get that invite to the NIT just because we are Georgetown. Um, yeah, even if we're sub five hundred, but I I don't know, and I doubt we're gonna pay to play in any one of these other tournaments. No, so, I don't think um, I don't think a Big East. Oh, actually, no, I take that back. Wasn't DePaul in the CBI final last year? You could be right. I just I just don't see Georgetown paying to advance a season like this. No. Um. So the last time we did get a chance to talk, we looked at the standings or we looked at the schedule, and I'd put Creighton down as the look. There's four games left. You're absolutely not winning in Omaha, and as St. John's was just dismantling them at Carnesecca Arena. I couldn't help but think of how stupid that comment was um, <laughs> because it's college basketball. You never know what's going to happen, but correct me if I'm wrong. Does it seem, it seems likely that after going four for 26 from three, that Creighton's not going to duplicate that. I think if that, if Georgetown holds them to four for 26 from three, I think Georgetown can go into Omaha and win. Right. It just seems I like they're going to, I think Creighton's more likely to go 24 from 26 from three. <laughs> well, that, that might be some sort of record. But um, I'm sure there's I, no science I, behind it, but it, it, it does seem worse. The, my first thought about seeing the final score was that's bad news for Georgetown, right? Absolutely. I mean, the last thing you want to play is a, is a team that just had a wake-up call. And so Creighton just had it. Um, and here comes Georgetown. I think it's going to be very similar to the Marquette game where, you know, we were down by 20 at the half and it just kind of playing out the string the rest of the way. So would this be a good time to transition to a good segment, a positive segment? Sure. Does one exist? It does. So Jagan Mosley, who is, I think he's in, he's in the top 15 now of assists of all time. He's based, I mean, Mirasan's also a four-year senior, but, you know, he's of the walk-on variety despite the notary, you know, despite his, his dad being famous and all, all that stuff. Um Jagan's kind of the last link to the JT3 past. He kind of bridges, you know, that, you know, he's, he was one of the kids that was caught in the middle and he's the last one remaining. Um, he's played as well as anyone could hope. And he's, you know, it's too bad that it's probably not going to end well from a team standpoint, but just watching him go out there and compete, he does have the heart of a lion and on social media, he doesn't post a whole lot of stuff like that, but he got into a thing about trying to find, 
there was a young girl and her family that, you know, had some signs and he did a pretty cool thing. I know that you helped. I helped. Can you talk about what you, what you know about the situation? Yeah. I mean, basically in the crowd at the Xavier game was a young girl who held up a sign that said, you know, Jake and Mosley, heart of a lion, had a cute little illustration um, with a lion head on it. Um, a girl who snaps pictures uh, took a picture of it and kind of posted it on social media. Mosley saw it and tweeted out, as you mentioned, that, you know, he wanted to be able to meet the family of the girl and perhaps, um, you know, meet up with them before the final home game on Saturday. And so pretty much every account affiliated with the school, except for the school, of course, um, decided to try to see what they could do to make that happen. And around, well, today, this afternoon, I found out that, yes, the a coworker of I guess the mom of the girl saw it on the internet and they've been united and uh, Mosley has been in touch with the family and there will be some sort of pregame meeting between the girl and Jagan before the, uh, well, during warmups before the Villanova game on Saturday. Yeah, that's definitely a really cool story to come out of there. Um, So I did notice, I remember in the beginning of the year, one of the first, well, not in the beginning, but when the schedule comes out, one of the first things I look for, because attendance hasn't been good the last couple of years is, how many games, how many Big East games do the students miss when the season starts? Because they're on their, you know, it's in between semesters. And then is there a game or two that the students miss for spring break? Which is, you know, obviously it's always going to be senior day. So they honored, you know, the people in the band and I think some cheerleaders or like some pep squad or something. And I was like, oh, that's right. The Villanova game falls. I think, I think maybe Georgetown closes on Friday. So... It is going to be senior day. They're going to, you know, obviously honor Mosley is going to be the biggest deal. Allen, Mirasan. I don't know what they're going to do with your seven. Probably honor him. I know they honored like Aaron Bowen and he ended up coming mm-hmm. back. So that does happen. Like you can be a senior and then you come back and you do it again. So it's going to be a big game. I think it's a really cool story that came out of social media. And one thing that I was thinking, um, I think Ewing does a good job post-game for the most part. I think he does a good job. Not that he's going to give out all these, you know, industry secrets or whatever, but I think that he he speaks his mind pretty well. What they've been doing pretty consistently, and it it happened during JT3 as well. I don't have charted or whatever. But generally when they lose, they don't bring out players. And when when they ended up losing, I was like, you know – I feel like if you bring out Jagan and, you know, Allen, I think that, you know, it gets one, you know, it's, it's, it might be one of the last times they get to talk to the media, right? Or they get their quotes out there and Mm -hmm. people get to hear what they're saying. So they didn't bring anyone out. It was just Ewing. And I, so that's why I thought the Jagan Mosley. So before Mosley tweeted about trying to find the girl with the sign, he tweeted something, you know, like he tweeted like an inspirational thing, like, Hey, look, season's not over. We're not giving up. And when you watch him play, you can definitely tell that that's where his mind is, where it should be. Um, but I thought it was cool that he he expressed himself on Twitter because we didn't get a chance to hear from him. Um, that's just kind of my yeah, thoughts th- on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple things. Uh, first, the um, just so everyone knows at Saxahoya is uh, the girl I was referring to who takes pictures while at the game. I believe that's her handle on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. She takes like the best pictures of in-game action of, of anyone I've ever seen. So at Saxahoya. Uh, second, with regard to uh, Mosley's tweet, it's been interesting that under the, the Ewing era, as opposed to the JT3 era, there's almost been like a lockdown on social media. Like you don't see a lot of the players tweeting stuff or as much as they did or with 
what frequency they did towards the end of the JT3 era. Um, so yeah, you're right to see Mosley come out and, and do that um, was kind of neat. It also shows, I'm not going to say his frustration, but sort of his, um, I don't know, he puts so much effort into the season that, you know, he almost has to throw that out there, you know. Um, he's only got one yeah. home game left. Um, yeah. It's tough, you know. <laughs> if there was a way that we could find, you know, we found the girl with the sign, if we could somehow find a way to get him a fifth year of eligibility, <laughs> I think everyone would sign up for that, uh, perhaps including Jagan. Yeah, I think he would. I also think that he's probably put his body through everything that it can go through. I know that he's mm-hmm. had, a, you know, he's had a bunch of shoulder issues. Um, I'm not sure if he's had any other issues, but I think that, you know, he's he's kind of he's kind of laid it all out there. Um, in the last preview, is there is there, is there a uh, a stat for like most minutes in college basketball? I'm sure there is. Um, I would think he has to be right up there. Yeah, both him and uh, Javon Blair have played four 40-minute games this year. Um, Crazy. Yeah, well, even crazier. So, like, if you go, you know, if there's, you know, if, if you go to like stat sites and they have a player's average and then they have like their 40-minute average, obviously the 40-minute right. average usually is like much greater than their than their actual average, <laughs> and there's not right. that great of a difference because these guys are playing the whole game. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and to think to think at the beginning of the season. You know, we were wondering what role either of those two would have, right? Like, how many yeah. minutes could they possibly carve, you know, carve into the rotation for either of them? And they're playing 40 minutes a night for forever. Crazy. Probably the only thing I've really hit on this year was that I knew Blair would be extremely useful. I just thought it would be in a 15-minute, you know, outing off the bench as a sharpshooter. Um <laughs> I was, you know, the original inhabitant on Blair Island. I did not know that he would have games where he has to shoot it like 20 times. Not something that I saw. So I'm not some, I'm not some, you know, super uh, genius, but I definitely felt that there was going to be a role. And I remember when, after leaving Georgetown Media Day for, you know, for like before the season started thinking, man, like, you know, that's kind of a gutsy move for Allen to transfer here, you know, cause like, you know, Kinjo McClung are going to play a ton of minutes. And you've got Mosley, who's a senior that knows what he's doing. You know, Blair is going to be counted on to make shots. Like, this guy came here for his fifth year. Like, you know, playing time was not a given for him. And, you know, now, of course, he plays 40 minutes a game. Yeah, I think Allen's lasting contribution could ultimately be, uh, you know, well past when he's gone because Ewing can use uh, how he used Terrell Allen and all the minutes and stats that, that Allen generated to attract future grad transfers uh, and whatnot moving forward. Because uh, obviously we're going to need a, a veteran point guard for, for next season. Oh, yeah. Uh, the fact that Terrell Allen was 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 able to contribute so much um, and play so much is obviously going to be attractive to to anyone who is looking to move for a fifth year. Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't had the time to figure out, and I know that there's some people that are already sort of, I think there's a kid from the Ivy League that everyone's sort of foaming at the mouth at. I think, I think he's related to Jim Barry. Um, I'm going to, you know, one of the Georgetown greats from back in the day. Um, I don't have the list of grad transfers that are going to be available, and I think it's sort of like a it's sort of like a moving target, right? Like guys are, yeah. you know, they sort of figure out, oh, you know what, I'm out of here. But Georgetown definitely is going to need a grad transfer point guard. I don't think that there's any that there's any doubt about that. 
Um, so I was sitting next to a Xavier beat writer, which is normal during 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 the game, and we were sort of just talking about the league. And I did it when when Providence was in town. You know, it's now looking like they're going to get seven teams into the tournament, which is crazy because Georgetown's not one of them. <laughs> but when you but when when you look at like Xavier, right? When you look at Providence, the bar isn't like you don't have to be that great to make the tournament. Now, this you know, I know that there's not going to be any Xavier fans listening to this, and I'm disparaging their team. But when you watch that game, and I was making the joke like, "Hey, this game is on national CBS." You know, I think Xavier had more turnovers than made shots. So, like, is that sort of comforting, or is it more depressing? Is it comforting in the fact that like you don't have to be that great to make the in-state tournament, or is it more like? you don't have to be that great. And now there's going to be a five-year drought. You know what I mean? So like, which way you start looking at yeah, that? Yeah. I, I, I think it's both. It's comforting in yeah. the sense that you're not that far away. Right. And this was supposed yeah. to be the year. I mean, you easily make the argument that if McClung and your seven are out there, that Georgetown is, 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 you know, right there on the right side of the bubble. And we're not even talking about all this nonsense. Um, but that's also what makes it so depressing is that you yeah. finally get to a point where you have a talented roster and then the talent leaves or is hurt. <laughs> so, it's, yeah. you know, you, you take the lumps and maybe you learn for it. You learn from it for next season. I don't know how you prevent kids from getting hurt. I have, always, this is not in your outline. And we can talk about this at another time. Um, but I've always been the proponent that I think kids should not play in Kenner League. But we don't have to go there right now. What the hell will we talk about all summer if there's no Kenner League? XFL. <laughs> I think that's over in April. So this this podcast started, I think, like in the middle of Canada because it was like, look, enough is enough. Like, come on, we got it. We got we got to do a podcast. Um, but we we need we need, we need something. I mean, obviously, we're not, we're not going to have a podcast every week during the off season, but there are going to be like things like, oh, they picked up a new guy, or you know, they have a new assistant coach, or they scheduled a game with, uh, you know, Kansas. There's going to be reasons to talk. But yeah, I mean, Kenner League is like, look, once you get to Kenner League, you can sort of see the season. Like, you're like, you know, I can see it over those hills over there. Like, they're going to play games. Look, I, I, I like Kenner League. You're right. It's <laughs> something to talk about. I, I just wonder if, and it's perhaps a, a stretch, but I, I don't know <laughs> if load management on those uh, on McClung and your seven would have anything to do with them not getting hurt. I, I, I you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor either, and this would have been a great what is, season. Look, what, what is the upside of of the kids playing in Kennedy? You can argue well, they, that oh, they they, they have they to play with one another. They ha- they have to play. I mean, they, they, you can't just like not play. What do you mean? You just you fill the rosters with other kids, not Georgetown kids. No, no, but I mean like okay, so like let's say like they don't play in Kenner League, like they're going to be playing yeah. basketball. Like you know, I don't think that yeah, that I, increases. I, but I, I just I just I just feel that the and again, it's not in your outline, but the, the up and down nature of, of, the, of those games and such doesn't really, kids can get hurt. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's basically you're running up and down the court and it just happens to be a ref, right? I mean, it's just, it is what it is. It's just, it's open gym, basketball. So I, I don't, I don't think the upside is really there. When it used to be where you could have all the freshmen playing the same team and, you know, they learn one another's games and blah, blah. And interestingly enough, it was that Otter Porter, Otter Porter season where 
those guys were on the same team and they kind of grew up together and it was great. Now it's really disjointed. You've got like walk-ons playing with, uh, you know, McClung or whatever. And it's just like, it's just kind of blah. Like everyone loves seeing them play so we can get a, your first look at all these players and you, you see how they improve from the off season. But at the end of the day, I think the risk um, of them getting hurt and, and whatnot just really outweighs any positive that comes from it. Okay, so I, I I will agree with the fact that when they changed it from five, like, so basically you could have two players and your entire freshman class on the tombs. That was pretty awesome, right? Because yeah. that was like, you were like going to watch Georgetown Light, right? Like, Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I Okay, so I will agree with that. But, you know, I get a chance to go hang out with uh, Rich Fotkin pretend like I'm not, not a game. Look, I, I get it. I, I get why people want to go. I mean, you have a hot dog, you sit there in a the gym, it's, you're watching basketball, you have something to talk about. It's great. You go to the hospital totally after it. you have the hot dog. <laughs> and, you know, maybe you document it beforehand. But, you know, <laughs> you just, I, I just wonder what, what if the risk of it all. And frankly, and we've been lucky, I guess, this, this past Kenner League. And maybe we didn't. I, maybe someone was in a boot. I don't know. It always seems like someone's in a boot at some point. And again, we can talk about this over the summer. Um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately we have to live in the reality of that. We probably have three games left in our season. Um, that's the most likely scenario at this point. Um, and getting back to, or, and, you know, keeping with that, it's really, you know, you get caught up in the moment and the season's turned into, you know, it's gone a lot of different ways to where it's like, oh, you know, the guys are trying so hard and you want them to win because, Clearly, like there's just a, there's it's a mismatch, right? But then when you then you go back and you look, and I tweeted last night, it's like wow. So the third time in four years they're playing in the eight nine game, you know, all against St. John's, they've lost the first two. It's like they've become oh, it's the eight nine game, Georgetown St. John's. Like that's not what this league wants. Like I'm a hundred percent positive of that. I mean, just look at who Georgetown's playing again this week, right? In their season finale, who is it? Villanova like the league wants that game to matter like the league does not want Georgetown St. John's to be highlighting the Wednesday night doubleheader which by the way next year it's going to be a triple header I assume because you're going to have 11 teams so you're going to have to have um, the top five will get a bye and then you're going to have to have three games on Wednesday that's what I assume they're going to do um, well you, you could argue like... that the you, you could argue that the league absolutely needs Georgetown to play St. John's on Wednesday to anchor that because otherwise nobody else would be watching. But yeah, I agree. And I think when the, the Big East was, was the new Big East was formed, I recall, you know, Georgetown and St. John's had some sort of simulated game with fake players or something. Basically like Fox sports was using Georgetown and St. John's as yeah. the two pillars of the league. Um, so to see your, the stat that you tweeted that this is the third time and whatever, whatever your, whatever the stat is that seven yeah. teams are going to make the, the tournament and Georgetown and St. John's aren't in that number. Um, again, that's another, it's very depressing. I guess, I, I guess I, I've just been so caught up in, you know, just the way, like, how are they going to win with this group? And it's not, they've been in, you know, outside of the Marquette game, they've been, you know, very competitive and they've been in a lot of these games, but then when you look and you're like, wow, like they were, you know, they were five and eight or they were five and seven. Now they're five and 11. Now they're, they, they've locked themselves into the eight, nine game again. It's just like, man, it's just, wow. It just, it just, I don't know. Like, I don't know why it snuck up on me, but it's like, damn. Yeah. But it's not, I guess all seasons aren't created equally. 
right? Oh, of so course. This is, and so let's say we finish five and thirteen in the Big East, which I believe is what our record was last year. So you know you kind of you can look at that from a macro view and well, say, it was oh, two well, years ago. Improved. Last year they were they were nine and nine. Yeah, two years ago, rather. Yeah, and yeah. you can look at that from a, a, a macro view and be like, oh, well, now they're they're back to where they were in year one of viewing. And, but this 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 is just a different season. Uh, you just you, you can't. You, I I think we would have been closer to that 500 record or or way better uh, in the league. You know, should all this nonsense not have happened, and uh, you know, it's tough to use this season as a sort of a referendum on the Ewing era as a whole so far. Yeah, no, it's it's just sort of, you know, it's just like, wow, like you shuffle the deck and they just sort of like, it's like you threw everything against the wall and like the two things stuck in the, in the same place. And, um, and that, that is, like I said, like watching Xavier play, like they're really, they're really not that good. And yeah. you're like, look, okay, let's just say LeBlanc and Akinjo, like that was always going to happen. They were always going to leave. They were disgruntled, whatever, whatever. Like, Georgetown could have handled that. And then even mm-hmm. when when Gardner and Alexander leave, they probably could have handled that too. But you can't have four guys transfer, and then two of your other stars get hurt. Like I mean, this is just this is unbelievable. Like, it's hard. I don't even know what to say. I mean, I was so Xavier actually brought their media guides, which all teams don't do that anymore. So their media guide just has a big X on it. Okay, now bear with me. There's a point to this. Okay, mm-hmm. Georgetown's media guide. I call it the media guide test. They have three players on the on their media guide cover. Can you guess who they are? I'm going to well tell me have they updated it all season? No, 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 no. This is no. You, this is like a, you put out a media guide and that's who you are. Right. So it's, so they probably have so they probably have guys who are no longer on the team. Well, it's probably no, so Kevin McClung and a kid. Yeah. So like literally. Xavier beat Georgetown without their media guide. Like, you know, Akinjo right. obviously gone for months. Your seven yeah. and McClung are hurt. And you got Tyree right. Jones out there, you know, flexing like he's, you know, Superman. And it's like, hey, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a freaking break, man. <laughs> yeah. And unlike some of the, the Providence fans on Twitter who, you know, you recall what Providence did after they beat us. They oh, yeah. sort of group dance in our locker room and and you know to look to providence's credit they're now on the right side of the bubble and, and they're well on their way to losing their first round again um mm-hmm. but xavier <laughs> fans at, at least you know they were somewhat more respectful they realized that um despite georgetown being undermanned they gave xavier a good run and i don't think they really think their team is, is all that good either no and they seem to be comfortably in the tournament somehow um so i think mm-hmm. we're probably Unless you have anything to add, I think that we might be comfortably done. We can close out I think here. We're, I think we're good. We will uh, revisit after the uh, the shocking win at Creighton. We can we can revisit after the shocking win at Creighton <laughs> and um, before Jagan Mosley's final home game. Um, again, everyone's done a great job listening. Kente Corner, a casual Hoya podcast, is on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple iHeartRadio is the latest. You can find us there. So basically, we're taking over the world. Um, Andrew Geiger is at Casual Hoya, and I am at Bobby Bancroft. Until next time. Hoya Saxa. Later. (laughs) See you.